Grace and mercy and peace be with you from God our Father, from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. That's my microphone. I did that on last Sunday. Sorry, that's, this is not part of the sermon. I don't know. What do you think, Shane? Sometimes I play practical jokes like that at the beginning of my sermon just to get you guys uh, paying attention, but that was not one of them. But now you're paying attention anyways, so, all right. Well, grace and mercy and peace be with you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. I was in the eighth grade, and I was about five feet, ten inches tall, weighing in probably about 160 pounds. I was a big kid, strong kid actually, and athletics were my passion. And I excelled in whatever athletics I did because in large part due to my size and strength. When I was in eighth grade, I was also in confirmation classes at church, learning about my, my faith and, and learning how to own that faith myself. And as confirmation class was wrapping up, we were encouraged to choose a passage from Scripture as our confirmation verse. It should be a Bible verse that resonated with us and helped to strengthen us in our walk with Jesus. And so I chose the passage from Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I actually got this rock for my confirmation. I still keep it on my desk in my office. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. See, as a junior high kid who was big and strong and doing well at life, I thought that this was a nice verse. See, I'm strong, right? Physically strong. Jesus gives me more strength, and with our powers combined, we can take on the world. <laughs> I'll be honest with you, I thought it worked for quite a while. I had a nice time growing up, I'll be honest with you. I didn't face much hardship, I didn't face much trial or tribulation, not much tragedy. I kind of just got what I wanted. And that's the end of the story of my growing up. It was a nice experience. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to brag and I'm not complaining at all. It was a blessed, wonderful experience growing up. And as far as I knew, Philippians 4.13 worked. <laughs> I was strong and Jesus has made me even stronger with our powers combined. We could accomplish some stuff. But eventually, life started happening to me as, as I went off to college and faced all the college woes, and I wasn't the biggest or the strongest or the smartest anymore. Job frustrations. 
ended up eventually getting married, which is a wonderful joy, but also is a challenge, right? I went to the seminary where my seminary studies were, were difficult and, and hard. Became a pastor, which is no easy feat. I became a, a dad. Have kids that struggle with health issues and just a lot of things there. I realized that oftentimes things don't go my way. You know this reality, things break. And things started breaking in my life. My confidence, my relationships, my finances, even having many close people to me die. What happened to my Philippians 4.13 Jesus super strength? Was it not working anymore? Maybe I didn't believe it enough. Was that the case? What was the deal? You know what I learned? I learned that I needed to read the Bible in context. <laughs> That's what I learned. We can't just take one verse from the Bible and draw all of our conclusions because while, yes, it is true, Philippians 4.13 is true, Jesus does give us our true strength, and we'll come back to this in a minute, but that is not the only thing that Paul is teaching us in Philippians chapter 4. And so we got to read this thing in context. Philippians 4.13 again says, I can do all things through Jesus Christ who gives me strength. But right before that, in Philippians 4.11, the Apostle Paul wrote these words. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Are you content today? Are you okay with where you're at? Are you content all the time, regardless of what's happening? Have you learned the secret of contentment yet? This does not mean, contentment does not mean that things will always go perfect for you. Does not even always mean that you will have a smile on your face or be happy. Actually, that's where we need to keep reading in context because the next verse, Philippians 4, verse 12, the Apostle Paul says this, I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. The Apostle Paul learned how to be content because he had seen and experienced all of the extremes of life. He had been a rich religious ruler with all the right credentials. And now he is a beaten prisoner in poor, miserable condition. I'm sure he had dined at all of the fanciest meals. And now he's eaten scraps. Paul has been to the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. And those of you that have lived any 
life and have experienced some highs and some lows. I simply ask you, how has that variety of life's experiences shaped you? Because what it did for Paul is it taught him how to be content. I've learned in all of these things the secret of being content. How did he do this? What was the secret? Well, now we're back to Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Jesus Christ who gives me strength. All right, there we go. Now it makes sense when we see it in context. Jesus does give us our strength. Jesus does give us the strength that we do not have on our own. But that strength from Jesus doesn't mean that we will just be able to overcome and overtake and obliterate all the obstacles that are in our way. But it does mean that Jesus will be our one true constant regardless of life's situations. So we can be content in all things because Jesus is our one constant in all things. We can be content in all things because Jesus is our one constant in all things. I would tell you I still love Philippians 4.13. I might even tell you it's still my favorite Bible passage. But now I know what it means in context. And I realize the greatness of strength that Jesus gives us. And I realize the reality that Jesus' strength is even stronger when I'm weak. Not when I'm strong. This reality is good. This, this is what Paul is saying. This reality is good. Knowing Jesus, trusting in Jesus, putting our hope in Jesus, letting Jesus be our strength, finding contentment in him regardless of life situations. I hope that you know that. I hope you experience that. I hope you know it's a good thing. It's true. But this is not the end of the story. Far from it. Because what Paul goes on to say is that there is even a greater strength possible, an even greater joy to be known, an even greater confidence to have. And it is when all of these things are lived and put into practice by the people of God in the church. Look, here's what Paul says next, verse 14. It was kind of you to share in my trouble. <laughs> it's a simple statement. It was kind of you to share in my trouble. Philippians chapter 4, this is the conclusion to Paul's letter. Remember, this is a letter that Paul wrote to a church that he had started. He's currently in prison but they have sent to him a financial gift out of their own love and support and generosity of Paul. They sent that gift with a man named Epaphroditus. And so Epaphroditus brought this financial gift to Paul in prison. And so Paul's writing to them to say, thank you. Thank you for this gift. But Paul's very, 
very careful in the way that he crafts his words here. Because essentially what he's saying to them is, I wasn't begging for this money. I I really probably don't even need this money. I'm in prison. (laughs) But what your financial gift shows to me is that the root of Jesus' word is forming you and fashioning you in Christ. And because you're rooted in Christ, you're building and producing fruit in Christ. Because you're rooted in Christ, you're producing fruit that's in Christ. And that fruit is your generosity that you share with me. It's kind of you to share with me in my trouble. Paul's saying thanks. Thank you. This is not the first time the Philippian church gave him a financial gift. Actually, right after he started the church and left and moved to another city, they sent him a financial offering. We read that. Paul said, nobody else joined me in partnership except for you. The word of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ took root in these people in the city of Philippi. And it overflowed, their generosity overflowed to Paul and to the work of the gospel. Paul is so grateful for this church in Philippi. He's so grateful for this church. Again, this whole letter is like a thank you note. And so here today, we're gathering under this theme, thank you God for the church. Thank you God for the church. Thank you God for the church. I want you to understand today why it is that God gave us the church here on earth. And when I say the church, I don't just mean the building. I mean the people of God. You know, there are a lot of people who make the claim, I believe in Jesus, but I don't want anything to do with the church. I believe in Jesus, but I don't, I don't even think I need the church. Maybe you've heard people say that. Maybe you've thought it yourself. You're like, yeah, I do believe in Jesus, but why, 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 do, we, why? <laughs> why do we do this? Well, let me tell you today why I'm grateful for the church and why God gave us the church here on earth. The church is to be a united gathering of people, a family of God, united in faith to walk together through all of life's highs and lows and constantly point one another to Jesus by living together as Jesus. That's why Jesus gave us the church here on earth, to be this united fellowship, family of God, united in faith, and walking together, bringing people to Jesus. Paul thanked the church at Philippi. And I stand before you today to thank you. I thank you, Saints Peter and Paul, Lutheran Church in Houghton, Michigan. As your pastor, I thank you you for being the church. And many of you behind the camera, (laughs) to our friends in Ontonagon and to Munising and to many of you who gather with us from various parts of the country, all of you I thank collectively for your unity and faith, for your partnership in the gospel, 
and for your encouragement and support of me, Pastor Kevin, Marcus, your, your, your staff here, as we lead you in this gospel work, I thank you. I thank you for being the people of God. And if you are new to Saints Peter and Paul, if this is your first time here, I tell you that these people are truly and fully alive in Christ. And we know that because we see it lived out in the fruit that's produced in you. I've shared with you this story uh, this, this past year already. Some of you have heard this. Some of you have not heard it before. But I want to share with you how grateful I am for you. This past January of 2022 was really hard for me. One of the hardest months I probably had in my life. I was sick, and homeless, and broke. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> not technically homeless and not technically broke, but we were certainly having some hard financial conversations in our, in our family, and we weren't at our house for a whole month. Uh, we, have, we have children that deal with allergies and, and severe eczema, and so we had to do mold remediation at our house. Thankfully, we did have a place to stay, but it wasn't home. And while we were away, I got sick with COVID, and a lot of you remember this. I was sick for a variety of weeks. We weren't home. We were having a hard time. It was hard to be away. I was sick. We were having financial strains. If you asked me, though, I still believed in Jesus. I still would have clung to this in Jesus. I have strength. Of course, I never doubted or wavered in that. I would have even told you that I was content, even though I was miserable. And it would have been true because Jesus was with me. All of that's true. But I want you to know that there was something even more beautiful, a fuller joy, a greater contentment that I experienced when the church rallied around me and my family. You never doubted. You only encouraged. You supported us, gave us a place to stay, brought meals to us, took care of our home, putting it back together. It was an incredible experience for me, a, a simple but poignant reminder that what it means to be the church is to be the people of God walking together with Jesus. You were like Jesus for us. In the church, we have this opportunity to live in mutual generosity for one another, giving and receiving from one another. This is what Paul is teaching us, both give and receive. But I have to tell you, I believe one of the greatest hindrances that we have from truly experiencing the power of Christ is our own pride. Our own pride gets in the way of truly experiencing Christ. Because there are people of God who want to be generous to you. Who want to love you when you don't feel loved. Who want to support you when you feel weak. And so many of us, myself included, let pride get in the way. I don't like to think that I'm a proud person. 
I try to live life with incredible humility, but in my gut, I'm proud. I don't really want to admit that I need help. I don't really want to ask for help. I want to prove to myself and to other people that I've got it. Oh, sure, I'll take a little extra dose of Jesus' super strength to help me get through, just like I would turn to an extra cup of coffee to get through after having another sleepless night with a baby at home. But to be at a place where you truly break, where pride is pounded out of you, when you have nothing to give, that is a holy place to be. It's a holy place to be there. Because in that moment, Jesus meets you and he begins the work of restoring and rebuilding and recreating you as his people. It's there in your brokenness that Jesus picks up the pieces. It's there in your brokenness that the church can rally around you and build you up as the people of God. It is there in our brokenness where the people of God can practice Christ-like generosity and we can practice Christ-like humility in receiving that generosity. It's mutual. It goes both ways. In the church, we both have to learn to give and to receive. But for a lot of us, I think it's probably actually harder to receive than it is to give. And so if that's you, if pride is blocking your ability to let the people of God tend to you and care for you, it's okay to say, I need help. It's good to ask because then the people of God can rally around you and support and love you. And I just want you to know, if you are in a place of need, a place where you need help, whatever that is, financial help, material help, just a person to talk to, never hesitate to reach out to your pastors, to the people of God here at St. Peter Paul. We will rally around you. This mutual generosity, it's so powerful. In my role as a pastor— I am humbled that I get to walk with you through all kinds of heights and depths of life. I'm so humbled that you invite me into these situations of life, in particular, some of the lowest of lows. Maybe the places that you don't want anybody to be, sometimes I get to go. And I show up in those places to bring Christ to you, to hold your hands to read scripture, to pray with you. But I'll tell you what's happened to me many, many times. As I'm holding the hands of the dying or the sick or the broken, and I pray for people. It just happened to me this last week. I pray for that person. God, be with this person. Grant them your peace and your strength. I say amen. They squeeze my hand and start praying. And dear God, please be with pastor and with his family. I'll tell you what, this mutual generosity that is given and received among the people of God, that is where joy is made complete. That is why Paul writes with such joy to the church at Philippi, and he says, you, you have made my joy complete 
even though he's in a miserable condition, his joy is complete because he knows Jesus. He's got the strength of Jesus. He knows that Jesus is his constant, and therefore he can be content. But even more than that, he's got people in his corner rallying around him, speaking the words of Jesus, giving him Jesus he believes in the death and the resurrection of Jesus. He knows that one day there will be a day that he gets to spend with his faith-filled family of God forever and ever. What more does a guy need? What more do you need? My friends, I wholeheartedly hope that this is your experience of being the church. I wholeheartedly hope this is your experience of being the people of God at Saints Peter and Paul. I hope that you could not imagine your life without this place. And when I say this place, I don't just mean the church. I mean this gathering of people. If you asked yourself the question, what would my life be like if my church no longer existed? I hope you'd be stricken with grief. I hope that would be hard for you because that means that this place actually means something to you. It means you're committed here and that people are committed to you. This is a beautiful place to live with all ages, <laughs> with all, with all uh, I don't know, all ages. Everybody's welcome here. That's what I mean. This is a beautiful place to be, people of God. It is good to walk together with Jesus, to be built up together with Jesus. I hope that our love would abound for one another. I hope that our generosity would overflow. I hope that our joy would be so bold that even people in this community would grieve if we no longer existed. Let our love be genuine. Let our love for one another be genuine. Let our mutual generosity overflow out of our lives into this world. This is our final week in this sermon series, this thank you sermon series, this letter from Paul to the church at Philippi. During our first week of this sermon series, we passed out thank you cards. We had them available to you, and we said, write a thank you note to somebody who has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. I don't know if you took us up on that offer yet. If not, now's your chance. This is the week of Thanksgiving. We've got more cards sitting out for you. I don't care how you write it, but, but I, I pray that this week you write a thank you note to somebody or to some group of people living life in gratitude, living life in generosity because that's what Jesus has done for you. Now finally, just as Paul wrapped up his letter to the church at Philippi, I tell you one more time, thank you. Thank you for being my family, for loving me, for supporting me, for encouraging me. You make my joy complete. Let us continue to live with unending mutual generosity for one another and for this world. Thank you, God, for this, your church. In Jesus' name, amen.